friends, and welcome back to another episode of the Unbreakable You podcast. Thank you for meeting me back here this week. We have a really great episode coming up that I will talk about in just a few minutes, but I just need to let you know that today I will be traveling to San Diego. I am so excited, you guys. It will be my first time ever spending time in San Diego, and I get to stay with one of my best friends, Christina Rice. I am sure most of you are familiar with Christina. I know a lot of you who have found me have either found me through Christina or vice versa. And also, Christina has been on the show two times. I think she's the only guest that I've had on the show twice already. So anyways, I will be staying with Christina starting tonight all throughout the weekend. So I'm really excited for that. And we are just going to basically have a really incredible foodie tour, I assume. We will also be recording a podcast episode. So be on the lookout for Christina's third appearance on the podcast. That will be really exciting. So the reason why I am headed to San Diego is I have a conference next week. It's the leadership conference for doTERRA. I go every year for the past couple of years and I usually go to Florida, but this year I thought I would change it up and go to the one that they host in California. So I'm just really excited. That starts on Monday next week. So I will be having these podcasts all ready to go while I'm traveling. And I will give you the full updates when I'm actually back. But I'm basically gone for almost two weeks. I figure that whenever I head to the States and, you know, visit the States, I want to make it worthwhile. So even though the conference is only three days, I'm staying for almost two weeks because why not? I need to hit up Whole Foods and all of the fun restaurants and things like that that we don't have here in Canada. So I think two weeks is... um good enough. So yeah, that is what I'm up to. So today is my travel day, but I hope you guys enjoy the show. We have on one of my really good friends, Cassie Joy Garcia. Cassie and I met a couple years ago through Instagram and we connected and really just hit it off. I've interviewed her before for my previous podcast. And uh, that is when I learned about Cassie's history with like diet obsession and things like that. So I thought she would be the perfect guest for this show and talk about her history with diet obsession and how she overcame that, found intuitive eating. And also she's a mom now. 
So I pick her brain about the mindset things that she had to undergo throughout pregnancy and postpartum, things like that. And also one thing that I love about Cassie is that she is also a foodie like I am. She loves creating recipes and you can find all of her incredible recipes over at fedandfit.com. Cassie is known as Fed and Fit over on Instagram too and she has a new book coming out that you guys can all pre-order it's called cook once eat all week and it is basically like 26 weeks of meal prep it's incredible so we talk about her new book too at the end so definitely listen all the way to the end she shares some tasty recipe inspiration and ideas from her book so you guys are gonna love this episode enjoy it and let's welcome Cassie to the show Cassie, welcome to the show. I am so excited to be sitting down with you today and chatting and just catching up. It's been forever since we've chatted. It has been, Meg. It's so, well, I get to see your beautiful face, but it's so good to see and hear from you, hear you (laughs) for so long. I know it really has been a long time, but I love Zoom and recording these podcasts through Zoom so I can actually like see the people that I have on my show. I think it makes such a big difference. I agree. Yes, it does. Yeah. So I'm really excited to just kind of like catch up with you throughout this episode, but you have an amazing story and I've always felt really connected and drawn to you. I love your message and I would love for you to share your journey and your message with everyone. So First off, can you just give a little bit of an introduction to yourself for everyone who's listening to us? Yes. Um, Hi, everyone. Cassie Joy Garcia here. (laughs) I am am the founder and owner of Fed and Fit. It is a fedandfit.com is a wellness website with a ton of healthy recipes. I founded it back in 2011 is when I first started. And that was after about a very transformative year in my life of right-sizing my own health and getting to the bottom of it and figuring out that no program had the the keys to my castle, so to speak, right? There was was nothing out there that was prescriptive that was going to be custom fit for me. I had to figure that out for myself. And so along the realms of right intuitive eating, it didn't have that word back then, but that's what I was pursuing. Um, And so I created Fed and Fit after really healing myself from being very unwell, extreme joint pain, hip, knees, lots of mental fatigue and fog and general exhaustion, um, general just bad food blues, right? To call it that, like I was just kind of blue, didn't have the energy or the positivity I do today. After years of that through college, figured out how to right size it for myself and started Fed and Fit to share that stuff, right? Part of it, I mean, recipes are an easy thing to share, right? It's really easy to, well, I mean, it depends on if you like to cook or not. I really like to cook. Recipes are easy because I get to just 
here is a beautiful pot roast um, using really healthy ingredients. And that was an easy thing to share, but what and how I talked about, how I spoke about food, how I spoke about wellness is really what I wanted to share, right? Um, and the avenue was, maybe it was recipe, maybe it was a health article. What we aimed to do was, I mean, now it's a we, there's a, a we've got a great team at Fed and Fit. Uh, but back then my, my goal was to help sift through all of the wellness information out there and try to offer a, like a straightforward, unbiased answer on here's the real, real of what's going on in the world. Here's the real, real on potatoes or rice, right? Here's the actual difference between white or brown rice. I don't care which one you eat, right? Those, that, that kind of stuff is what we were aiming to put out into the world. Um, Fed and Fit evolved over the years. I became a nutrition consultant, a certified nutrition consultant so that I could answer folks's folks's that the first time someone has said folks's on your website on your podcast (laughs) I could answer people's great questions uh, because they got more and more detailed we created the fed and fit project to help walk folks through essentially how to go from diet uh, the world of diets to one of actual intuitive wellness uh, really held their hands through that and uh, and then and then the rest of it just kind of blossomed, started a podcast so we could talk more about mindset things. And then um, and then a couple books came after that. Yeah. And I want to talk all about those projects and some recipes and your new book and everything like that. But before we get to those exciting pieces, I would really love to chat more about your personal journey, just because I'm familiar with it from talking to you before, but I think it will help a lot of our listeners today because so many of the women that listen to this show are also like jumping from one diet to another diet or one program to another program and always seeking answers outside of themselves. And I really love what you said about your journey and really like almost coming home to yourself and finding those answers within you. So would you share that story with us? Sure. So really what happened was Oh goodness, this goes back a little ways and it's, and it's forever a part of me, right? So I'm forever kind of dealing with, with my background. I'm like, I will always be recovering essentially from an addiction to diets. Um, so I would say it really started in college is where my body image thing started to get muddied. Um, and where I started seeking solutions elsewhere outside of myself, as you put it. And it was, it was in college. I mean, I, I went to school, I lived on campus. I started eating really cruddy foods. You know, it wasn't home cooked anymore. It wasn't made with mama's love and we didn't have family dinners and I didn't have a good routine or schedule. I just got to snack on Dr. Pepper whenever I wanted and, and whatever else I could find. And, and it's not to vilify the Dr. Pepper, right? It's just that I didn't connect that what I was putting in my body had an impact on true health, Mm -hmm. right? I thought that the only measure of health was the size of my pants and how much I weighed. I, that, right? Because AI was young, people weren't really talking about it then. And that's really what we're sold. 
That's, that's really what we're sold. Do you want to, do you want to get healthy and get down two pant sizes? Like those two on a commercial, those are the two things that come right in, next to each other. They're sandwiched. Right. And so I didn't understand that those two things were separate. Um, I started gaining weight cause I really wasn't feeling, feeding myself. Well, I was stressed out. I was a college student. Um, I drank alcohol. I was all the pizza. I, uh, wasn't sleeping. It was all, it was just a perfect storm to get that classic freshman 15, right? The sophomore 20, whatever they want to call it. And I thought that was normal. But then I also thought my pants are getting really big. I must be too big. I must need to diet because that's what I think I'm supposed to do. So that's what started it. I started dieting because I thought that's the solution to my aunt, to my problem. And the first thing I did in my diet journey was I swapped out my Dr. Pepper for diet Dr. Pepper and thought like, heck yeah, I just made a great decision for myself. And I, man, I put away like four to five of those a day. I did not drink water. I would go from coffee to the diet Dr. Pepper. Um, and then I swapped out my white breaded sandwich for a whole wheat wrap. And then I would just go stand on an, or get on an elliptical for hours at a time while I would read some textbooks or something like that to help undo anything that I had eaten the night before, right? I had an Oreo with my roommate or 12 Oreos. I'm going to stay on the elliptical for an extra 30 minutes today to undo that, right? It was all about calories in calories out and trying to hack the system in that regard and what got what was worse that's not the worst part of the story the what got worse was i lost weight i got tiny because i was calorie restricting i also became pretty sallow and weak and still didn't have energy and my joints still hurt right but people saw that started complimenting me and then i thought oh no I can never not be this way. If this is what everyone's saying, wow, you look so good. I must be doing something right. And eventually the diet would fail me, right? And of course, then I thought I failed the diet, mm -hmm. but the diet had failed me because it wasn't made for me and it would eventually stop working either. I would get so bored or so over the rules that I would totally binge and go a totally different direction. And then I felt like I failed the diet. So I had to go find another one, right? I cheated on that diet. And now I have to go find another boyfriend diet, right? Like yeah. just, that was the cycle. And I, and I mean, it was years of doing that, of yo-yoing back and forth, doing untold tiny, but important damages to my true health and my total load, right? It was still stressing my body out. Calorie restricting like I was, was a huge stress on my body. And then I graduated from college um, is, which is, I mean, I did fine in school, but in hindsight, by how foggy I was and how tired I was, I think, oh my gosh, if I only had the energy that I have now and the ability to focus, man, school would have been so much easier. Right? Yeah. Oh my gosh. Yes. Um, but anyways, graduated from college and I went and worked for a doctor who she was vegan, but I, I thought I might want to go into medical school and my profession and my own health, I saw them as like just mutually ex like exclusive things. Like they weren't connected. Health and wellness wasn't necessarily something I was connecting for me. And this doctor though, however, I saw that she was educating on nutrition with her patients. And that's when I really realized that these two things connected, which sounds so silly and so obvious, but it was an aha moment for me was, wow, 
true health and wellness, true health and wellness, like the kind that helps you not have to go on medications in the future, not the kind related to the size of your genes, true health is connected to nutrition and wellness practices. And so I took a little, I mean, that was the essentially the entire lesson I learned there. It wasn't very deep, but took that and realized my calling was in nutrition. And then I also thought, well, heck, I should probably take myself on as my first client, my first testimonial and figure this thing out for myself. And so that's what I did. And I studied real nutrition, not diet rules, but real nutrition. And that's when I found anti-inflammatory foods, inflammatory foods, right? I'm going to, oh, this is why I'm not, I needed to know why, why am I not going to eat this or drink these diet Dr. Peppers? Because these fake sugars are setting off this huge trigger of cascade reactions in my body that makes my body expect real sugar and real glucose. And I'm not giving it that. And so I wind up binging and having artificial cravings later in the day, not to mention all of the crud and the preservatives and the colorings that's in the drink in itself, that's going to booger up. Uh, these are really technical terms, you know, like really mess with my body and my metabolism. And I don't say metabolism as in like, let's stoke that metabolism fire and burn more fat cells. I mean, like my metabolism as in what is giving me energy, right? Those things are really going to hamper that. And so I started to do my own research. I figured out what do I really need to be eating? What do I not need to be eating? And I started to onto that path through education to intuitive wellness, to like, this makes sense. Then I'm going to start eating the things that make sense. I'm not going to eat as much of the things that don't make sense for me. I'm going to see how I feel. And then I'm going to chase what feels good. I'm going to just keep doing the things that make me feel the best. And that is how I arrived at this like fed and fit. It's not, it's not paleo. It's not any kind of, it's, it's not any strict it's like, I guess it's kind of no rules wellness. It's just figure out what works for you and then do that thing. And that's what we're going to empower you to do. I really, really love that. And I personally think that story is really deep. Like I was getting so many visuals when you were talking. I kind of saw like two parallel roads, you know, one we think that health is that size of our genes. And then there's this other one that you got yourself on and it was like, okay, true health is actually not being on like prescription medications down the road and my joints not aching and things like that. So meeting this doctor and seeing her approach to health and wellness, that was really like the turning point for you and what got you away from jumping from diet to diet? I would say it was. I think that I, well, I learned, I connected wellness and nutrition in that experience. I think that what actually helped me break the diet cycle was doing it for myself. Mm -hmm. I actually did research. I, I mean, I stopped, I was a vegan at the time and I, I learned a lot about um, my, my nutrition bias at this point is I'm definitely pro animal meats and in animal proteins. And so I learned a lot about the benefit and the therapeutic benefits of well-sourced sustainable proteins. And I incorporated that back in with my diet. And that I think breaking some of those rules, right, is what eventually, like I had to do it for myself. I had to do it in order to really transition. It wasn't something that I could read about and say, oh yeah, 
That's it. That was the turning point. It was, it was the process of doing it, dealing with the fallout, dealing with my emotions, dealing with the fact that I still was addicted to diets and I still wanted to count those raspberries, right? And I still wanted to weigh my, you know, like measure the tab of butter. I still wanted to do those things. And it took time to heal from that. It took a lot of time and constantly reminding myself that it's about quality not quantity every single time. And my body kept feeling better. And that was the sign to me how I felt was I was on the right track. I love that. And I also love what you said about learning about the benefits of food. And to me, I see that as really changing it from just avoiding a certain food or eating a certain food, just because a quote unquote like diet told you to it's really understanding okay I'm choosing not to drink Dr. Pepper not because it's like on a no list or something like that but actually understanding what it does to your body and kind of like in my case, I always love choosing like the more loving option. And so it's like, once you know what that does to your body, what are you going to choose? Like what's the most loving option? So I really love how you described your journey and you really love um, telling stories, don't you? I do. Yeah. Am I obvious? I love dinner parties. So I'm like, let's all get together. Chit chat. Yeah, I love that. And well, I have your first book and I feel like you wrote something about how you like chatting or telling stories or something like that. So I do want to get into the books in a little bit, but you're a mom now. So I want to kind of fast forward from your dieting days in college. And now you're a mom to a little beautiful girl. And I was going to say a baby girl, but she's not really a baby anymore. I know. She's so... (laughs) She's not. I had. I told uh, my team was at the house yesterday, and I was holding Gray, and I was like, "Hit me all at once!" And I thought, "No, oh, she's not a baby." <laughs> they were like, "No, she's not. Yeah. She's a toddler." Um, it's different. Life is different. Yeah. So, I would love to talk about your relationship with food now, and how you are showing her food and introducing food to her in like an empowering way and a loving way, you know, because I'm sure that you want her to grow up having this really healthy relationship with food. Yeah, absolutely. You know, it is, it's easier now because I did work on myself for so long um, to just mothering in that regard has been very intuitive, right? Teaching her to love food and be excited about food is something that's been very intuitive. Um, I would say that my relationship with food, it helped a lot that I had healed my relationship before having a baby, but it's still, there was still these old haunts at the very beginning. And I talked about this a lot on my website in my like my trimester reviews. I did trimester recap every time. In those early days of either knowing that I wanted to get pregnant or I knew I was close to wanting to start a family, right? And then those early days of pregnancy, my body changed because my priorities changed. My priority became, um, and that's really what the core of this is about is like how to align your priorities. But my priority was no longer have um, 
you know, like, gosh, I loved where I loved my routine. I loved my workouts and I loved all these things. And I did all these things and my body just was a certain way, but then all of a sudden my body was going to be a house, hopefully a really healthy house for a future member of our family. And I wanted to make sure that it was as healthy and prepared for her as possible. So I started eating a lot more fruit. Like that's one of the things I couldn't, I could go into the science, but like Liz Wolf does a great job in all of her resources of chatting about it, Real Food Liz. But one of the things I did to prepare my body was I started eating a lot more fruit than I ever did before. Not that I was anti-fruit, but um, I knew the importance of real fructose at that point in time for baby making. And so I started eating a lot more fruit and my body, like, I mean, I just kind of, in a good way, but like my body responded and it became a little rounder, a little softer. And it was just, it was a good thing, but it was different. It was different because my priorities were different, right? I was, I definitely made sure I got plenty of carbs. I definitely make sure I got plenty of food in general. Um, and then and lots of sleep, right? Sleep was number one. And so I started my, because my priorities shifted things like the, what I looked like started to shift as well. And then also in early pregnancy, um, I, I mean, just things kept changing and it became less about me and more about the health of my baby. And that doesn't mean that it wasn't hard. And I've talked to a lot of women who are early in their pregnancy stage, right? Maybe they're in that bloated, they haven't announced that they're pregnant. They just like feel puffy because pregnancy just throws all your hormones for a loop. Things are totally different. Maybe you have nausea and the only thing you can keep down are the gluten-free graham crackers, right? That's fine, right? That's fine. Your body's gonna look different, but this is the first time they've ever had that kind of a different experience. And it's hard to kind of walk through that. And I would just say, know that, you know, this is a season and it will pass. Um, and don't feel bad about the fact that you're having a hard time. Just endure it and, and do the best you can. Um, but I would say that now it is, it really is about my daughter. It really is about how do I just have more energy for her? And how do I keep, if we want to have more kids, how do I make sure that I still have a healthy body? Like I'm not in it to get back as quick as possible into my pre-pregnancy genes for whatever that means. A lot of women really try, you know, like get that, get that body back, right. Or whatever they say, which is a whole can of worms, right. Your body is your body. Um, but that's never been a goal of mine because I knew, I know that we want for a lot of reasons, but what a big one is that I know we want more kids and I want to make sure that I still have a really healthy, you know, place to be able to make babies. Um, and so, and then with Gray and feeding her and teaching her how to love foods, we just give her everything that we're eating. Lots of fruit, don't restrict, give her as many fresh fruits and vegetables and textures and meats. She is just, she's a great eater. I'm very blessed in that regard. Um, she loves food and we just have a lot of fun together. I mean, if I'm eating, if I'm eating, gosh, I don't know, steak is one of her favorite foods. If I'm eating steak and she wants steak, then she can have more. There's just she's a baby and I want her to be able to have whatever she wants. And we make sure that we only have healthy foods in the house. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's such a great approach. And I'm so happy that you did share a little bit about the body changes that you experienced during pregnancy, because I know a lot of women listening to this show are in that stage of soon becoming pregnant or in that those early stages of their first pregnancy and 
there is a lot of emotions and things in your mind happening because you're not, this is a new season of your life. So what were some of the biggest mindset shifts that maybe you've gone through since having Gray? You know, I was chatting with, it hasn't, um, well, it may have aired by now. There's a, I was chatting with a listener. I do reverse listeners on the Fed and Fit podcast every once in a while where somebody writes in with a great question. And instead of answering their question politely via email, I ask them to come on and let's chat about it on the show. And she was talking about postpartum body perception, right? How do you really reconcile that? A, how do I, how do I get healthier? How do I get back to my body? All that kind of stuff. And I think that I think the biggest mindset shift that I've had to have in that to relate to that struggle and that journey is when we are before babies, right? Before babies, we have an image in our mind of what does a healthy me look like, right? It's a, what's a healthy me look like? It doesn't necessarily have to be pant size, right? But maybe like complexion, and maybe um, maybe it's just confidence, and maybe it is the clothes, the kinds of the kinds of clothes we're used to wearing, right? Maybe it's a high waisted skirt with a belt. Like we just love this is our look. This is healthy me, right? That's we have this idol, this image of ourselves of what is health, and we and we're and of course we know that things are going to ebb and flow, but we're always going to work to get back to that healthy me. After baby, I think that we have to understand that the target moved, right? Physically, things will never be the same, ever. My rib cage, Meg, is so much bigger than it was before. I have dresses that I've tried on that are not tight anywhere on my body except for around my actual rib cage. Like my ribs are expanded and maybe they'll continue to go down as time goes on, but I literally cannot zip a dress because of my ribs. Grayson, my daughter, was enormous. She was, I had an enormous belly. And so it's like, things are different. Those high-waisted dresses that I loved, they're not an option right now, or they're going to be slightly different, right? The target has moved. And I think that we have to acknowledge that the target moved, mourn the loss, right? Maybe you loved, you loved that image. You loved that idol of yourself. You loved how rested you looked and you loved how your skin glowed and you loved those clothes that you would wear. Doesn't matter what size they were, but you loved that style that looked good on you. That was healthy you then. We have to acknowledge that healthy you now is different. And it's a totally different person. And it's okay to be figuring that out and it be messy and you not know what that looks like yet. Um, but I think that one thing that's important is don't wait for old healthy you to show up before you allow yourself to be happy in your body. Because I think this is something a lot of women do is we don't go shopping. We don't go shopping yet. We're like, I'm not gonna go by, we go from maternity jeans to I'm going to wear stretchy pants until I fit into my pre-pregnancy jeans. Right? That's so cruel. That's so cruel for like for the love. Please go shopping. Go buy some clothes. Go go go, go spend some money on blue jeans and a bra and a swimsuit. Like the three areas where you really should be investing in your wardrobe. Go spend some money on a piece of clothing that makes you feel good in the body that you have right now. And, and then just, you'll deal with the fact that your the idol of healthy you has moved and that target has changed. And postpartum, no matter how far out you are, I'm 14 months almost, like still moving. The target is still moving. And you just kind of have to be 
you have to get comfortable with being uncomfortable. I hate when people say that, but that's so true for this season. Like it's just probably not going to be as solid of a grounds as you want. And then just acknowledging that almost makes it easier to endure. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Those are some really great tips. And I mean, on this podcast, I don't normally talk about food and, you know, food recommendations, suggestions, things like that. But you did bring it up about how when you're pregnant, sometimes all you can keep down is like graham crackers or something that we typically don't see as the most ideal option, you know, or when you are used to eating tons of like plants and good quality meats. I know a lot of my friends are pregnant right now and they are unable to touch even chicken at all. You know, like they can't keep down any animals. So I just thought this would be a really great time to ask you some recommendations for pregnant women to maybe approach on how to approach food when they're a little queasy and they want to nourish their body in a way that works for them. Maybe you have some recommendations for these people and I just wanted to ask you because I love your approach, your unbiased approach, and you're really open and welcoming to all types of ways of nourishing your body. Yeah. Oh man, this is hard. This is, and I'm saying it's hard when you're in that season and you're thinking, it's never been more important. This is what, this is what all women think when we're pregnant, right? We think it's never been more important that I eat healthy foods than it is right now. And the only thing that I can keep down is a saltine. Like, oh my gosh, am I already failing? <laughs> like, this is what, this is, that's the wicked place that our, our minds go. And at the end of the day, to just address the mindset piece of it, just, I want to give you mamas some peace of mind. Even if all you're able to keep down are the saltine crackers, and, and Sprite, let's just go there, right? Two foods that in the, in the, in the real full food wellness category, probably know that those aren't great. Those are not great as a like everyday staple. Let's say if that's all you're able to keep down, you're still building a healthy baby because your body would, would got pregnant because it has the nutrients to be able to nourish and feed that baby. Everything is fine. The most important thing you can do is not feel guilty about it do what, eat what you need to eat. It's okay. This will pass. This phase will pass. It probably won't be this bad the whole time. So just know that it's okay. Like, I just want to give you permission to just eat the saltines and sip the Sprite. Things are going to be fine. Do what may do like, and then after that, as far as choosing what foods, I don't know, boil it down to the lowest common denominator. Okay. So if you think about in the real food category, I'm thinking like white rice, white rice with butter, is probably something that most people can still eat if we're feeling pretty nauseous. Um, now, me, if you, like for me, I had migraines. And so even though I wasn't nauseous, I couldn't think straight. And so the only thing I had were graham crackers because it was just, I was like, oh, I just need food. Here is the first thing I can grab out of the pantry. And I just would shove half a pack in my face and then I would go hide in a dark room. It was awful. Um, you know, if you can cook a little bit, or if you have somebody that can prepare food around you, ask them to make you white rice with butter, 
right? Something like that. Lowest common denominator. It's still it's still in a real food category. If you can, you know, it's still real food, but it's palatable enough to where you can enjoy it. Or I know pasta does well for the carbs. You're craving carbs. You're craving some good fats and you're probably craving a little salt. Embrace those, car those cravings and go with it. And you can eat the fruit and the liver and the egg yolks and the chicken later. Everything's going to be fine. Right. It's about like, even in this season, you know, I talk to a lot of women when they're not pregnant and I coach them through understanding not to fight their food cravings or their food desires. And it's the same thing during pregnancy too. It's like, if your body is asking for something particular, you just like can't fight that. Do it. Yeah, yeah exactly. My sister-in-law called me when she was pregnant with her second one. And I remember she was like, Cassie, I don't know what to do. I'm really craving refried beans. I'm in Texas, right? So we have a lot of Tex-Mex around. She's like, I'm really craving refried beans. What do you think I should eat? And I was like, I think you should eat refried beans. <laughs> yes, that is the best advice. That's awesome. <laughs> so I think now that we are on the topic of food, this would be a great time for you to tell us more about your cookbooks. I know you have one releasing very, very soon. So tell us about that. Yes. So the, the new book is called Cook Once, Eat All Week. And it is an unconventional answer to the meal prep riddle. So, I mean, relating it back to my current state of life, I, you know, as a mom and a business owner and somebody who constantly has 47 projects going on at any point in time, I'm sure a lot of people here can relate to that. I know you can, Meg. And so it was important for me to get a healthy meal on the table at, for dinner time or all the meals, but especially dinner time, right? It's just like centric family value time is that's like how I was raised and my culture, like we need a healthy dinner on the table, um, started to become a burden when all of a sudden I had a baby or I also had a business that I was chasing. It was like that my time available, I had just enough time. I'd get home from work and then an hour to cook dinner we eat dinner and I felt like I was just spending so much time in the kitchen, so much time planning my meals throughout the week. Maybe I meal prepped on Sunday. Maybe I put in a couple hours worth of research, looking at all of the, the recipes online. I made my grocery list and I went and bought all the groceries. And then I spent eight hours on a Sunday standing up in my kitchen, cooking all of these meals only to eat leftovers all week right? Yeah. All I was doing was reheating the food that I'd eaten or I'd made on Sunday. And Friday rolls around and I'm really tired of the really sad whatever sitting in my fridge. And I don't want it. And I'm just going to go ahead and order the Chinese anyways. <laughs> and so I was like, there has got, and I was, oh, I was so much waste, so much food waste. I would, I would need three mushrooms. And then I would have all these mushrooms. And every week I would talk myself into thinking, oh, I'll figure out something to do with those. But I never did. They get goopy and, and then I would have nothing to do with them. And so, and I was wasting money. It was awful. So I thought there's got to be a better way. So we put our heads together and we came up with a concept called Cook Once, Eat All Week. And it is essentially the most efficient form of meal prep we could possibly come up with. And we, I've been using it personally. My team's been using it personally. And we thought, oh, we should probably share this with the world and not be selfish. 
And so we, we turned it into a blog series last January, 2018. We released four weeks in the month of January of Cook One Seed All Week. And it was explosively popular, like blew us out of the water. People were like, this is the first meal prep that has ever made complete sense to me. And it was mo like really worked well for especially families with kids running all over the pace, the busy professionals, people who just don't have time, but they still want a healthy meal. They want a fresh meal on the table, but they don't want to have to spend a lot of time cooking it. So the concept is you take three components. So let's say a protein, a vegetable, and either a starch or another protein or another vegetable, excuse me. And on prep day, we walk you through how to cook those three components. And then we assemble them into three different complete meals. So let's say it's chicken, whole chicken. So let's say you buy your two chickens for this week and we walk you through all these things like what you need and how to make them. Your two chickens and then so on prep day, you're going to bake the chickens. Or if you bought rotisserie, I won't tell a soul that's fine too. You saved yourself a step. And then we're going to show you to put those sweet potatoes in the oven with them. And then broccoli is the third component. We're going to steam all the broccoli. And that's prep day. It's like 30 to 45 minutes in the kitchen and that's it. And maybe we have you whip up a quick, quick sauce, right? And then throughout the week, we walk you through how to take those prepped components and assemble them into three fresh dinners. So maybe we have you assemble them into a buffalo chicken casserole, right? You put them all in the casserole pan, you drizzle with the sauce, you put it in the oven, you get to go chase your babies around, you get to go de you know, decompress after the long day with your husband or whatever it is, you get to go finish your day, spend your time how you want, and you still get a fresh dinner to put on the table. But it doesn't take very long to cook. All you're doing is crisping and finishing, not reheating, if that makes sense. Mm -hmm. Then you get to plate something yummy. And then maybe the next night is a stew, some sort of a Tex-Mex tortilla soup or something like that. And then the last night is some sort of a chicken curry sheet pan dinner. Totally different meals, using these prepped components, and you're able to get fresh dinners on the table still. And what people are saying, all of our recipe testers and all the people who use this series online we're like, this is the first time like their grocery budgets are cut in half. It's been really life-changing. So we're really optimistic. I'm really proud of the book. We put together 26 weeks worth of this content. It was a real brain buster, but we stuck to it. So we have six months worth of meal prep outlined That's in here. Incredible. It was, oh my gosh. I, I, I tend to be a little... When it comes to projects, I like to overcommit. I like to say, let's just shoot for the moon. And I remember we were talking to the publisher. I was like, let's do 52 weeks. And Amber Golden, who's my right hand here at Fed and Fit, just about fell out of her chair because she was like, Cassie, that is too much. Um, but yeah, we did. We put together six months worth of content. Every week has a very easily orchestrated shopping list. It has a prep day guide. Because you know when you have to cook a dinner party or your meal prepping and you and part of the work is figuring out well what goes in the oven first mm -hmm. right or when should i then put on the pot of water or when should i make the sauce like all of those things and so we break it out for you so that your time in the kitchen is really as efficient as possible um, and then, and then of course we have nutrition facts if that matters to you, but I put it in an index at the back of the book. So if you don't want to look at it, you don't have to. <laughs> and then we of course have 
freezing and reheating instructions in the book, a really detailed guide. It's a question we get a lot, especially a lot of people like who are, you know, the life stage we're talking about today are like preparing for baby. Um, and if they want to build their freezer full of freezer foods, we walk through what's the best practice on how to stock your freezer, how to then defrost from either cold or frozen, whether it's a casserole or a stuffed potato or a soup, what are the best ways to reheat these things? So we're giving it all. And I am just so excited about this resource. It was a huge labor, but I, what we wound up with, we didn't give up until it was as easy as possible to follow made as much sense as possible and really, really, I think going to be a valuable solution. I love this so much. And I know you touched on the fact that people were commenting how it like cut their grocery budget in half, but also like you're not spending eight hours every Sunday in the kitchen prepping all of these meals that you're literally eating the exact same thing over and over and over again. I love that. Isn't it so exciting? So smart. So smart. <laughs> Thank you. It was, I, I, we're pretty, I'm pretty proud of the team and everything, but yeah, it's, I'm excited and it is, the food is good. It's delicious. These are every time I remake a, a week, cause I'm trying to show the, it's, it's a hard right. thing to just describe, right? I really, I'm trying to show people how it works on Instagram, for example. And every time I make another week, I'm like, wow, this is really good. Like I'm just constantly, I don't know why I'm surprised, but I'm just, I'm impressed. The, the dishes are delicious. We wrote it with young, we wanted to make sure it was as appetable. Is that a word? Appetible? Yeah, I think so. Uh, <laughs> I'm going with it. Palatable? Gonna, we were, I don't know. Palatable. How, that's Is that the favorite. word you were looking for? Yes. Okay. I combined palatable and appetizing. Okay. There we go. Appetable. <laughs> <laughs> we wanted to make sure things were delicious enough so that a young kid would still want it, right? So let's say mom's cooking. She still gets a win because you know what? She got to feed her family a healthy dinner and everybody ate it. Like that is who we wrote these dishes for. Mm -hmm. um, so we have kid-friendly notes. We have, of course, egg-free, nut-free. The nutritionist in me couldn't help but like put those considerations into the book. Um, and well, then if we you don't, people are going to ask for them, right? Right. What are the <laughs> yeah. modifications exactly? Yeah. So we did, of course, we have some low carb considerations in there for folks. That's important. Um, lots of them. So it's, I'm, I'm pumped and it's been very well received so far. Very awesome. So like I mentioned, we don't talk about food all that much, you know, like food, food, nutrition wise, um, all that much on this show. But I know so many listeners are huge foodies and are going to be so excited for your book. So I am curious because I know all of us are going to grab your book. I'm curious, maybe what's your like favorite recipe that you created for this book? Oh my gosh. Oh, I have an answer for you. Good. Okay. Good. <laughs> There's so it's like it's not it's not a recipe that I can call it, but like a week, right? Uh -huh. One of the weeks in there. It is this, it's braised beef and polenta. And I want to say it's kale. It's a okay. It's a polenta. So we have some grains in there, right? Yeah. It's all gluten-free. We definitely have some grains in there. Um, and you and we have swaps for all the grains if you're grain-free. Um, listed. But anyways, it's a beef polenta and kale week. And we made these, oh, it's just such an all-star week. We have this braised balsamic um, 
polenta casserole with like a cheesy polenta and these caramelized onions sit on top. Oh, it's so good. And then we made these barbacoa stuffed uh, poblano peppers with polenta in the bottom and some cotija cheese on top of that. It is just such a good week. They're all really good. I'm going to have a hard time picking a favorite, but that's a really that great one. That one stands out. Yes, it, it, it's, the one, it's the one I'm craving right now. I really want those barbacoa peppers. Yeah, I do too, all of a sudden. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh, this has been so much fun, Cassie. And I have one more question for you. And that is, what does it mean to you to be unbreakable? What does it mean to be me to be unbreakable? I would say it means to me to constantly find a way to give thanks. Because I think that if I am forever in a state of gratitude, I can have bad days and I can be upset about things and that's good and well, right? That's going to happen. That's a part of life. But even in those times, I can still find a way to give thanks for something, right? Let's say I had a really hard day I don't know, I got into a fender bender and then a bunch of my calls canceled and maybe things just didn't go my way with work or conversations. I can still be thankful for a really amazing marriage and the fact that I have a man in my life that's just truly incredible. And like, you know, those kinds of things, like I have a foundation, I'm thankful for a lot of stuff, but like, I think always being able to find something that I'm thankful for makes me unbreakable in spirit. Like not, no one circumstance or even a culmination of circumstances is ever going to truly break my outlook because I'm, there's always something that I'm going to be eternally grateful for. I love that so much. And thank you for opening up and sharing that with us. Now, for everyone who wants to connect with you, grab your book, all of those things, let us know how we can do that. Yes. So you can find all of my work is available. Fedandfit.com is the name of the website and it's getting a facelift. This whole growing up, Meg. That's exciting. Officially moving on from personal blog to online editorial in June. I don't want to confuse people, but we've been working on this for over a year. So yes. So fedandfit.com definitely go check it out. Check it out again in June. And then at Fed and Fit is on social media. And then the book, Cook Once, Eat All Week, is available for pre-order right now on Amazon and all the other places where you can pre-order books. We have it's of course if you pre-order, you get the lowest guaranteed price between now and then. Um, and then it will hit shelves April 23rd. Very exciting. Tell your friends if you ever, if you ever like, I mean, this this book aside, but if there's ever a book out there or a resource that you really like and you really value and you think, gosh, I want to see more of something like this in the world, the best way to do that is to share it with your friends and family and encourage them to go buy it because that really shows industry. It shows people like me, right? Like mm-hmm. folks want these resources. I'm going to keep making them. So Share it would mean a lot if you like the concept. Um, And then as a gift for everybody pre-ordering the book, we actually have four advanced copy weeks of Cook One. So if you're like, wow, this sounds great, but I want to do it now. I don't want to wait till the end of April. If you do pre-order, head to fedandfit.com and you will see where you can claim your pre-order ebook, which has a preview copy. Wow, that's awesome. What a great gift. So thank you so much, Cassie. I could just keep chatting with you, but we'll wrap it up now. And thank you so much for coming on the show. 
Thank you, Meg. It was so good to see you. Thank you.